T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. It's been deja vu with a twist in the Democratic race for the 3rd Congressional District. Once again, incumbent Congressman Dan Lipinski is facing somewhat more progressive challenger Marie Newman in the Democratic primary. He narrowly defeated her two years ago. This year, there's another progressive candidate in the race, and we're going to get to know him. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Rush Darwish. He is one of four Democrats running in the 3rd District race. He was born Rashad Darwish, but changed his first name to take a broadcasting job in Texas. And yes, he's been a news anchor, among other things. So I guess there is some life and you can actually get a real job after doing this kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, if he were to become the congressman from the southwest side and south suburban district, Mr. Darwish would be the first Palestinian-American and the first Muslim congressman from Illinois. Rush Darwish runs his own multimedia production company. He lives in Palos Hills with his wife, Aziza, and their two sons. And Rush Darwish, welcome. Craig, thanks for having me on the show. It is a real pleasure. I've listened to your show many times, and uh, when it comes to broadcasting, you're the best of the best. Oh, you're. That's not going to make the questions any. Oh no. man! All right. Well, you know, we tried, and I guess I better get out of here no, then. No but, no, but thank you very much. Well, you're in a race where the goal is to unseat an incumbent who has managed to be reelected before, and you're running against someone else who nearly beat him previously. So why would you want to even get into a race with with such seemingly long odds? Yeah, we knew going in that we had a big mountain to climb. But uh, when it's all said and done, when you have a belief that you are the one that can best represent the people in your district, when you believe that the time has come, that we need people from the middle class to represent the middle class, uh, that's why I took this step. I see the urgency. And yes, just because two people ran in 2018 and it was a close election, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Craig, I don't care about that. You know, I don't think people care about that. I think people want uh, someone who's going to represent everyone proudly, equally, with kindness, love, and respect. And somebody who comes from their community who understands what it's like to live in the middle class. And I do believe that both my opponents, who, this is crazy, Craig, you know, we've had now two major candidate forums, and both of them have decided to not even show up to them. So it's gotten so personal, it's gotten so extreme that uh, a lot of times I find myself literally flying solo at these candidate forums. This just gives you an idea that uh, I don't believe Marie Newman and Dan Lipinski are best to represent this district. So when it's all said and done, I don't care about stats or numbers from 2018. Uh, We're going to go out there and make a case and we're going to go directly to the voters and let them decide who's going to be their next congressman. 
Well, let's assume that most of the people who are listening to this program don't know you well. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what it is in your background, besides being middle class, or maybe including being middle class, and your experience that would make you a better congressman than the incumbent. Well, I mean, I was in the broadcasting business for about 11 years, and uh, the reason why I got into journalism is because I wanted justice. Uh, I wanted to tell a story. I wanted to make sure that fairness and equality was told through journalism. And uh, after I got married, we had a kid. Uh, we started looking at uh, the paycheck and realized, like, okay, I got to support my family. And that's why we decided to leave Texas, come back to Chicago in 2006, and start my own photography video multimedia business. Uh, so as a small business owner, I understand how it is to work with people, to hire people, uh, to make sure to grow and, and manage. This is very, very important. And I'm the only one in the race right now that has to have, uh, you know, two jobs. One is to be in the campaign office roughly 60, 70 hours a week and still at the same time go to my office in Pilsen, which is where I was this morning, and run my business. This is life of the middle class. And also, uh, I am from the southwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, we have a large Arab-American Muslim community. They're disenfranchised. You know, they're not part of the, the system. A lot of them don't vote. They don't trust government. My office in Chicago and Pilsen, large Latino community. Same thing. I work with a lot of people, my employees, that, again, don't believe in you know government because they don't believe that people who are in office right now are working for everyday people. So because I have this keen understanding, you know, this is why I want to run. We have to get more people in the process. We have to register people to vote, especially in minority neighborhoods. And at the same time, at the same time, uh, because I come from the middle class, uh, I want to work for those middle-class families, and I really do believe, Craig, that the people in office, including my opponents, don't really understand how it is to be in the middle class. I really do feel uh, there's a sense of entitlement, and they're disconnected. So my background as a humanitarian, you know, I do a lot of work uh, with helping children uh, in war-torn countries, raising money, especially in the Middle East, where we know that there's a lot of children who, by the way, they're the innocent uh, they don't have access to medical care. So I work with various charity groups to make sure that we raise money to bring doctors from all over the world into parts of the Middle East, into parts of West Bank, Palestine, for example, and operate on children for free. And I think these are the type of people I feel need to be in office who understand what it takes to help people. And things have become so political and dirty. And it's not just in our race, where I do believe a lot of candidates and current politicians uh, they're not thinking about people anymore. It's become, again, more personal. And yes, in our race, Illinois' 3rd District, my opponents from 2018, the blood is thick. The beef is deep. And and they're not thinking about people anymore. I'm thinking about people. I'm not involved in that. I don't care about that. What I care about is very, very simple, is taking the issues to everyday voters. And what are those issues? Well, most people care about their health. And, you know, this is why I do believe that we need to have a health care system that does work for everyone. So, yes, we need to have a government option. I do believe in Medicare for all. But you have to have a system where everyday Americans can also have the option to keep their insurance if they like it that's coming from their employer. This is the American way. And this is where I stand. And uh, and that's, again, one of the reasons why I'm running. Um, your difference between, say, for example, Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders is that public option. It's also giving people a choice opting in. That sounds a little bit like what we heard from, uh, from Dan Lipinski when we had him on last week saying that, yes, he thought there should be a public option too, and he opposes the overall Medicare for all. What, what do you, 
What do you say? Here's my thoughts, Craig, when it comes to Replipinski. When it comes to health care, I call him no plan Dan because he really doesn't have a plan. I mean, this is a guy who voted against the Affordable Care Act when it was first launched in 2008. He's the same person in 2012 that didn't even support our president, the Democratic president. So now he's doing what I call the step back. It's a dance move. It doesn't look good on him, but that's what he's doing. And now he's coming back and saying, well, we got to strengthen the Affordable Care Act. I, he, I've never heard him say he believes in any type of Medicare for all. Uh, he says, well, we got to strengthen the Affordable Care Act. And um, it's not a bad idea because there are some parts of the Affordable Care Act that do work. But at the same time, it's not enough. And when President Obama ran in 2008, he had a very simple message. And this is really the platform that I'm running on. And the platform is this, that if you like your insurance, you have the right to keep it. But if you don't have insurance, then there should be a government plan that should be provided for you that's going to be very affordable and that is going to be as good as his plan as the president. That's what I stand for. And what ended up happening is when this was proposed, by the time it went through the Republicans and the Democrats who were scared to lose their seat, negotiated back and forth, yes, the Affordable Care Act is what we got, and it's choppy. The premiums are expensive. The deductibles are off the roof. And here's the thing. I know this because I have the Affordable Care Act right now, and it is sloppy. You know, I'm going to share a story with you, Craig. Mm -hmm. Last year, I had a bump on my head. My wife, Aziza, was freaking out. We thought it was cancer. Go to the you know, I go to the the hospital, go to the doctor, uh, we get it removed, they test it, and you know, thank God it was just it was just a cyst. This thing got the size of a golf ball. It was not pretty. And when it was time to pay, you know, it came out to be around nineteen hundred dollars. I'm like, I bust out my, you know, my health care card, I'm I'm ready to go. And they're like, nineteen hundred dollars. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking about? This is my insurance. Come on, take care of it. They're like, no, you have a five thousand dollar deductible, which means that you have to pay $5,000 of Medicare medical cost before your actual insurance kicks in. And that's when it hit me that the Affordable Care Act is deeply flawed. And that's why I believe that uh, can it be improved? Possibly. But I think we have to think bigger. Our country has the money. We just have to stop making this so political. When it comes to our health care, it shouldn't be about Democrats or Republicans. Uh, it's a human right. And I do believe in my heart and mind that if we can get enough politicians in Washington, D.C. to really understand this and reach, put your arms out, everyone, and don't make this a Republican-Democrat thing, that's when we're going to see real health care getting done in our country. But the thing that seems to scare people away in a debate like that is always the price tag. And, you know, it's dominated the, uh, the debate among the presidential candidates. How do we pay for it? Yeah, and I'll be the first to tell you, as somebody from the middle class, um, it's a very, very complicated question. It really is, because each proposal has a deep cost. And I think when it's all said and done, uh, the reason why I like the Medicare for All Who Want It plan is because, yes, you are going to uh, put a higher tax on people who make a million dollars and up. Um, You are going to, for people who make a half a million dollars or up, you're going to put an extra 5% Uh, tax on people who make uh, anyone past a half a million dollars, uh, that's the part that's going to be taxed. So these are some of the areas that we're going to help pay for this. But I will be the first to say it's not easy to do this, but we're going to have to take some some serious measures if we're going to take it there. Do you think that there is the political will there to do this, or does it remain a political football that 
basically drives people to either side of the of the wall on this. Yeah, I think um, you know, it's this is where I always tell everyone I'm not a politician. You have to be um always willing to speak the truth and also be transparent. The way it looks right now, you have to have leadership that's pragmatic. You know, and you have to have leadership that understand that this is the best way to go. And yes, the political landscape right now, as we speak, it just looks like it's a swamp. You know, Donald Trump said he's going to drain the swamp. Oh, please. Donald Trump, he, Donald Trump is the swamp. So, so yes, we have a, a situation now where we have to have the right people in office on all different levels that are advocating for the right type of health care plan. This is what I would advocate for as an ex-congressman of Illinois' 3rd District, is that we need to have a government option, but should have, should have the choice to keep your insurance. This is what I'm going to fight for, and I'm going to work very hard to reach across all aisles to see if we can have that common ground. And I do believe this is the best option. That's what I'm going to fight for. At the end of the day, Craig, when you're running for Congress, you have to advocate. This is what I'm advocating for, and I hope we can get more people to advocate with me on this plan. I'm going to switch gears to another topic. Uh, you back some gun control measures, including an assault weapons ban. Um, how do you get something that controversial through Congress? It's another tough one, Craig. The reality is this, is that we have a very embarrassing situation right now in Washington, D.C. Uh, lobbyist groups like the NRA are buying candidates. And they're not just buying Republicans. They're buying Republicans and Democrats. So what makes this so devastating is that we have seen and heard the stories time and time again from Sandy Hook to Las Vegas, uh, and I can just keep listing them, of devastating stories of people who are walking in to institutions, churches. Uh, they're coming in with uh, weapons of mass destruction, AR-15s, and, and, and they're shooting innocent people. And uh, I do believe what's the first step? We have to take the first step, and that's to make sure we eliminate lobbyist groups. That's why when we launched our campaign, I mean, we said we are going to take zero money from special interest groups and PACs, all of them. You know, sometimes my opponents, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, only corporate. No, no, no. You have to take a principled stance because that's the reason nothing is getting done on gun legislation. So that's step number one. Number two, let's start with the simple stuff. Universal background checks. Come on. you People, people have got to be kidding me with the idea that we can't have a system where just universally, if you're going to buy a gun, no matter where you live, that yes, there should be universal background checks. And when it comes to those weapons of mass destruction, like an AR-15 uh, and high-capacity magazines, let's get them off the shelves. They're not worth it. There's, there's a lot of other guns that I, I strongly believe in the Second Amendment right. But again, we have to take that first step, and we have to make sure that the big guns that are killing a lot of people, uh, we got to get them off the shelves ASAP. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Rush Darwish. He is a Democratic candidate for Congress in the 3rd District. Um, I want to go back before we uh, touch on some other individual issues on a big picture, and that is what's wrong with what Dan Lipinski is doing? Because as a, as a challenger, you not only have to get people to understand what you have to offer, but why they should turn their backs on the person who's in there now. Yeah, Rep Lipinski is what I call the status quo congressman. And I'm running for Congress because I believe that the, the status quo has to go. And we need a Democrat, not a progressive, Craig. We don't, need a, we don't need a progressive. We don't need a social. We don't need labels. We need a Democrat. And that's where I come from. That is truly going to represent everyone. 
not based on, well, where do I get my most votes and who's going to donate to me? No, no. We have to make sure that you have a Democrat that's going to serve everyone equally. Equally is a very strong word because, you know, I come from, again, an Arab American community uh, in the southwest suburbs. He has very little connection with our community. He doesn't reach out because he doesn't look at us as the winning formula. That's a problem. The Latino communities. You know, I was just at Peck Elementary School. He's been in Congress now for for 15 years. Peck Elementary School is like the gold standard of an elementary school when it comes to their STEM programs and a lot of other progressive programs that they run. I asked the principal, how many times has Rep Lipinski visited your school since he's been in Congress? He said he visited the first time earlier in the year in September. That's pathetic. So again, when we say you have to represent everyone, it has to include minority groups. It has to include the LGBT community. And it's not just about what you vote for. It's what you do on the ground. And Rep Lipinski is not that person. It's, it's so obvious he's not that person. Now, credit to Rep Lipinski. What he does do is he is always engaged in making sure to only uh, work with the groups that either support him financially or he's very good at making sure uh, to attract uh, groups that support one or two of his issues, like the issue on abortion. You know, And this is, uh, this is the area where he seems to do well in, but here's the problem, and I think he knows it as well, is that things are starting to evolve in our district. You know, The areas where he used to rely on, and Latinos are living in those areas. So he's weak. He knows it. I know he knows it. And uh, it's opening the door for more candidates to come in. And I think eventually it's going to happen either this time around or it'll happen in the near future. Rep Lipinski is stale bread. Do you think, though, that the district, I mean, the district has a reputation of being somewhat more on the conservative side. Is it changing that much? I mean, are you seeing the demographics move? Yeah, things are evolving. There's no doubt. Uh, And more importantly, which is something that I'm working on, is that we have to make sure that the people that are coming into this district, southwest suburbs of Latino areas in Chicago that are expanding, uh, we have to make sure that we get them engaged in the process. And what I mean by that is we've got to get them registered to vote and they have to vote. And this is something no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is for me in this election, it's going to be my personal duty to make sure that we get more people to the polls. The moment that happens is when we're going to start seeing real results with electing the right people you know, to represent Illinois' 3rd District. Now, I would think that uh, at, you know, at first people would look at a candidacy like yours and say, wow, what, what chance does he have? But you have been, ra- you have been raising money substantially. Um, I, am I correct in thinking a lot of it is from the uh, Palestinian community? No, it's absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt because of the work that I have done in the Arab American community. Um, the Arab American community, that's a tough crowd. I can tell you that because I have the experience. And I'll be the first to tell you that they will not drop a dollar to anyone unless they know that somebody's tried and true. And I've, I have done a lot of work in the community. They know the results. Um, when I talk about uh, raising money and raising awareness uh, with children in the Middle East that uh, need medical help, uh, I helped build two hospitals. And they know that. And I think they know that how difficult that really is to mobilize. And when I say, look, we have to do more than just helping you know, these certain causes, they're still very important causes. But when I tell uh, the leaders in the community that we've got to now reach out to other communities, we've got to reach out to other working class families that uh, where the system is not working for them. Yes, I do share with them. I say, hey, the issue of Palestine, of course, that's an important issue. But that injustice in Palestine is also 
the same injustice and inequality is happening in our district. And we have to start thinking like Americans and we have to start reaching across the aisle and across the district to help everyone lift communities. And a lot of people know that message and that's why they support me. And for those voices that we haven't heard as much as, as we should, what are the things in that community or in, and frankly, in the Latino community in that district that really need attention? Yeah. So one of the things that I really want to work hard on, my number one goal, people say, all right, what do you want to do, Rush, on day one? Uh, for me, it's to form an economic development center where people can go to and know what jobs are available to them that pay $20 and up. Now, I support the federal $15 an hour wage. Absolutely. But I don't think that's enough. Uh, we know these areas here in Chicago. You need at least $20 and up to survive. That's a survive. So I want to have a place, a center, where people can come in. They could apply for jobs that pay $20 and up, or we can put them in training programs with the unions, with junior colleges, uh, to make sure that they can become certified and get placed into jobs that pay $20 and up. Now, my wife, Aziza, works for Olive Harvey Community College. She works in continuing education. I can't begin to tell you, Craig, how many people come in that aren't making good money. They take a certification course as an airplane mechanic, um, somewhere in the medical field. And guess what? These jobs are there. We just have to get people trained. So we need to have an infrastructure where people can come in and know that they can either get trained for a job or can apply for a job that pays what I call a real living wage. So this is something that is going to be great for working class families. And yes, for those that disenfranchise Latino, Arab, African-American communities that really need this. They need this direction and we have to invest in this. And that's something that I'm going to work on from day one. I want to talk about another headline uh, issue, and that has to do with impeachment. Uh, I mean, given that he wasn't removed from office, President Trump seems to have gotten through his impeachment trial pretty much intact. Do you believe that the attempt to get the president out uh, is going to end up hurting uh, the Democrats in this race for the White House? Craig, I'm going to keep it real with you. I think that Donald Trump should have been impeached a long time ago. I think ethically and morally he should not be our president because he does not represent the values of what it is to be a true American. I think he only represents some and not all, and he only represents one color tone, and it's very obvious, and, uh, and I think that's not the America we live in. But on the other side, uh, should he have been impeached? Absolutely. Strategically, if we're going to get down to the strategy of it, I can say for certain that because he was quickly acquitted and it just kind of, you know, the Senate, which was obviously very heavy Republican, passed it really quick and now we've just moved on and he's he's innocent. And that's exactly how it's going to look like his case now on the trail of saying this was a witch hunt and they're out to get me. We have to call it the way it is. It's probably going to resonate with what I call the swing voter, probably. So what we have to do is move on from it. It was a right decision to impeach him, but I think ultimately what we have to work on, which I've been talking about uh, throughout this interview, is we've got to get more people involved in the process. We have to get disenfranchised communities registered vote. We have to get them to the polls because that's truly where the difference is. Are you seeing the kind of excitement that you want to see in the neighborhoods, in the communities? Because I'm not sure that this election season and and whether it's on the Democratic or the Republican side is as enthusiastic as it might have been, you know, 
four years ago, eight years or two uh, and 12 years ago. As much as I would love to add fireworks to this interview, you're right. This is why I'm also concerned with where we're at with this process. I think uh, we have to acknowledge, even though there are some some good candidates right now that are running for president, uh, each candidate that is in the race as we speak is 50 times better than Donald Trump. 50 times better. But uh, I think you need what I would call a Democratic-wide transcendent candidate that will resonate with everyone. And I don't think we have that person right now. Not As we speak, we don't have that person. Uh, I think you have some that attract a certain sector of the Democratic Party that really want to see really huge changes. Uh, and then you have some other ones where, again, it's maybe a little bit uh, to the center. But ultimately, here, I'm going to use a name. We don't have that transcendent Barack Obama-type candidate that is really lifting and firing people up. Now, the good news is we still have time. We really do. And there's a lot of great activists that are on the ground. And eventually, we will unite under one candidate. And I think that's where you're truly going to see the difference. Once we get the Democrat picked, right now you got a lot of candidates. But once we, get the, once we choose who that candidate is, what I hope for, no matter who that person is, they say vote blue no matter who, we really have to live by that. And we have to make sure that whoever ends up coming out, we support them 100%. And we have to go all in. It's the only way we'll have a chance to get Donald Trump out of office. Um, very quickly, uh, if Donald Trump gets back in, what's your prognosis for how Democrats in Congress uh, can can deal with that? Yeah, I think what we're going to have to do is we have to evolve and we have to learn. And I know that's a word that nobody in politics wants to hear. Um, but what will have to be uh, examined is... Can we be um, left on some issues, but not to the point where it ends up turning off what I call the everyday voter? I think right now we have a progressive movement and it has a lot of good values, but I think there's certain issues and policies where uh, collectively what I call the hardcore progressives, the AOCs of the world, I think we have a situation where there's certain policies that are being put out there that are so expensive and there's really a there's not a clear messaging or details as to how we really pay for them. And I think uh, that could be what we're going to have to look back at and say, all right, uh, we might have to cool off a, a little bit about being so left and realizing that that's not what America wants. Well, we've got about a minute or two left. Uh, so Green New Deal. I like the spirits of the Green New Deal, Greg. I like them. I like it. The, the problem is. Uh, again, what's the cost of this? Who's going? Who's going to pay for it? Um, you know, and and we can't, and we have to really, you know, be honest with ourselves and know that we can't keep pitching big ideas and expect that the one percent is going to pay for everything. They might pay for some. You know, when it comes to healthcare, I think that could be achievable. But the idea that we can do the Green New Deal, um, free college tuition, I mean, there's going to come a point where again, the regular voter is going to say, all right. There's going to come a point where I'm going to have to pay for this. So that's why I say the Green New Deal, uh, I love the spirit of it. But, you know, we always, especially when you're running for office, I'm running for Congress. Uh, if I'm going to go and meet with my constituents and have a town hall meeting, I better be able to explain line by line who's paying for it and what it's going to cost them. And right now we can't answer those questions.
Well, that's going to be the final word, and I thank you very much. That is 3rd District Congressional Candidate Rush Darwish. Thanks for spending the half thank hour you. with a us. Thank you. A real honor. Thank you, Craig. Well, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.